Free Talk Live, live Saturday episode of the program. Phones open for you as always here. The number is 603-283-6160. You can join us and bring up whatever is on your mind. Coming up here tonight, could they be introducing re-education camps for those of us who are just not buying this COVID claptrap? I refer to it as concentrated concentration. <laughs> and when I say not buying, I don't mean I don't believe there's COVID. I'm pretty sure there's a uh, a, a COVID. Like that's that seems to be a, sure. a real yeah, thing. Yeah. But I'm not buying all the BS the government's feeding about it or the medical industrial complex. Well, not if, at all. If they can't brainwash you via traditional means, right? Uh, big media and that kind of a thing. Uh, social media censorship, et cetera, and so on, then they're going to resort to tossing you into some sort of concentration camp. Well, they already have quarantine camps out in Australia, and actually, as I discovered recently, Hong Kong has quarantine camps as well. So if you're a traveler uh, coming in from the United States, you're going to have to stay in one of these Hong Kong quarantine camps. So that's a thing in different countries around the world. But we're talking about a re-education camp, which would be a little bit different. We'll get into that story here. And, of course, you can bring up whatever's on your mind. You know, I, I wish... And there are other things I do want to talk about, like the metaverse. Somebody apparently got molested there in the metaverse. I, I, I Did they call the metacops? We'll find out. And then also uh, yet another person, uh, this time an academic of some sort, is claiming that Bitcoin is on its last legs. That it's over. Consider it done. I mean, sure, the majority of it has been mined already, but... It's going to take I don't a while. Think that's what they mean. It's going to take a while for the rest of it to be mined. So we'll talk about all that uh, hopefully. But of course, your calls and thoughts. You can bring up anything you want. And then there's just a bevy of terrible news regarding COVID crackdowns, lockdowns, new restrictions. It's just like last year, all over again. Just you know, and I. It doesn't make me feel good that we predicted that this was going to happen. It's like, oh, we're going to let you. We're going to let you back out for a little bit during the summer yeah. when it's warm again, give you a taste of what it was like to go to a concert. It's or- so weird because you're describing kind of exactly what I did this summer, right? I did a little gallivanting. I mm-hmm. did some traveling, even all through the winter, like I was just in, in uh, Portland, Maine for a couple of days this week. Uh, but it was still spring-like weather. But I I kind of had a feeling that I'm I should go and do these things now because Before I got a down. feeling that this is going to get worse. Also... Regarding uh, uh, Omicron, Omicron, right? every time I see that word now, I hear a valley girl going, Omicron! 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 Like, what? Wow. Like, gag me with a needle. So, and there's just so much bad news. I'm just going to try to summarize it. There's no need to go into any detail, because we already went into detail on this crap last year when they did all the same stuff. Uh, but first, let's go to Tom. He's in New Hampshire, calling in here uh, right, right out the gate. Go ahead, Tom. It's about the tornadoes that struck, and of course the big story Mm -hmm. is about the the candle factory in Kentucky and the Amazon uh, warehouse in Illinois. Both of them have uh, pretty much the same story that bosses told the workers, you'll get fired if you leave. And they don't fully realize, some listeners might not realize that libertarian principles, the the non-aggression principle, allows that kind of ultimatum because you're still free to leave. And of course, in a libertarian society, it would be very easy to just walk over to another business and you'd get hired on the spot because uh, you wouldn't have to worry about the 
health insurance coming with you or any of that because that would be separate transactions from getting a job mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. So, yes, yes the, the employer does have that right. And just imagine in Kentucky when the roof blew off of the candle factory and you've got all these candles in glass jars mm. flying around. It reminds me, it makes me think of Marilyn Monroe, you know, and a candle in the wind. But I, I want to point something else oh, out right. here. It's an Elton John's uh, ranch. That but, but before you go on here regarding the the question of oh my god they're going to fire me if I if I leave this job that is easily replaceable by any other job out there I mean there's been there's no better time in at least my lifetime that I can recall to get work right yeah. now yeah, yeah. you, you want to work just go and if you can fog a mirror you're going to get hired <laughs> in in ways I'm trying not to work for like employers and stuff and like you know People are still, hey, can you, hey, do you want to, you know, mm-hmm. hey, we got some freelance work for you, you know, that kind of thing. So it's weird. So I, anyway, let's say here's the other kind of ripoff, though, and that is uh, you go out, you need a place to live. And so you go shopping for a home and you buy this property. It's a house uh, with a nice yard and everything. And things come with it, such as the appliances. Well, how good are these appliances? And the other thing that comes with it, of course, is K through 12 so-called education in a government-run indoctrination center. And how good are the schools that uh, unhappily go with buying that house? Yeah, you need to be a savvy house hunter if that's what you're looking for. If you're looking for property and you're willing to get into something like that, you have to think of all these things in advance of buying. There's yeah. so many people who don't. They just jump into it, sign the contract. Oh, I got a house now. Well, but you know the government school's going to suck no matter where it is. I mean, I guess some of them suck yeah. more than others, but they all are still government indoctrination centers. So if you actually care about your kids, you shouldn't be sending them there. Now, let, let me point out, though, then, you, of course, you got to get insurance in case of a fire or a earthquake mm-hmm. or a tornado. And then the tornado strikes and it, you, you paid $300,000 for this house because that's about what houses were selling for, similar houses yeah. in the same town. And so uh, this house was worth $300,000 and that you bought and then uh, it, the, the tornado destroys it. And the insurance company offers you a whole lot less than the what you paid because you still have the land and you can take this money and you could buy a similar house to, you know, it's the construction materials and labor and everything that go into building that house. But, oh, no, you can't build on that lot. It's against the zoning restrictions. What are you oh, talking yeah. about? The house was already there. No, no, no. Oh, you're saying that the government house- is actually prohibiting people who've had their homes destroyed by tornadoes from rebuilding? The is that really zoning restrictions. That's the way zoning restrictions work in some places is that you know, if the house was already there when the zoning restrictions were in, initiated, mm-hmm. then it's considered what they call grandfathered. It's right. still legal. It's still legal, but that house got destroyed, and so now you still own the land. Yeah, this course, isn't uncommon when when a disaster strikes. If you look at folks who've you know lost their business or property or their house in like any of the earthquakes mm-hmm. or the uh, what am I thinking the tropical storms that kind of thing, it's not uncommon for them to run into issues, 
getting the insurance companies to pay first and foremost. Sure. Recognizing, you know, that hey, look, I'm what I what was called fully covered, quote unquote, when I signed the thing mm-hmm. and now they're trying to lowball you on a settlement offer for about half the price of your property. This is a market condition. They can do that in in the market. They're allowed to uh, you know, come in and, and sort of lowball you and do these things. So you have to be a savvy insurance customer. It's not uncommon for these things to happen. And then with the zoning, usually what happens is they will, if you have to rebuild, if it's like a, you know, totally destroyed, yeah. if it's totaled, you can rebuild uh, something that resembles what was there or like up to newer code. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, like he was saying, if you're on a piece of property that's grandfathered in. So sometimes what people can't do is rebuild what was existing previously because the zoning laws change and say that, well, even though your home was destroyed in a natural disaster and you're going to build something new on top, they consider that new construction Mm. on that piece of property. So whatever the zoning laws are for that particular area regarding new construction suddenly apply. Well, it would figure, and thank you, Tom, for the call tonight, it would figure that these city bureaucrats would be so just petty. Yeah, petty and compassionless. I mean, just lacking any kind of care or concern. Oh, well, yeah, you lost your house and everything, but we still have to play by the rules here. We can't just let you rebuild something quickly or cheaply. No, now you've got to go through and, you know, jump through all these stupid hoops with asking permission before, you know, now you got to jump in front of some sort of board of other politicians before they'll approve you. And don't forget to pay whatever fees and fines and bribes. Oh, you got to submit the forms in triplicate, and don't forget your engineering study. You've got to get an architect in here. Pay right. him now. I mean, it's just so so ridiculous. 603-283-6160. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Coming up here, speaking of ridiculous, we've got just a bevy of, I'm going to try to keep these short, just ridiculous, more crackdowns. This COVID thing is just as insane as it's ever been. Saturday show continuing. The number 603-283-6160. Ian and the captain here in the studio tonight at 603-283-6160. Oh yeah, I really am here. Welcome back. You were sick last week, so I was. You can still hear it a little bit in my throat, but I'm better. Bitcoin.com, by the way, great place to go and learn about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. And the price on Bitcoin's been down for a few weeks from its record high of around $68,000. Right now, it's around $47,000. So might be a good time to think about jumping in. Now, remember, you don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. No, you don't. Yeah, Bitcoin. this is like one of the most common misconceptions. Like you could buy point zero 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 one two five Bitcoin. Yeah, you could buy easily buy fifty bucks worth of Bitcoin. It's yep. no no problem. Uh, go to Bitcoin.com, learn about Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash there, and click Get Started at the top of the page to do that. Uh, if you're limited on time, you can watch the first introductory video and get down some of the basic concepts about cryptocurrency because there are you know there's a bit of a learning curve. There's some new information here, some new ideas, and that's what makes it special and what makes it interesting. Decentralization instead of centralized money we can talk more about it but you can go to bitcoin.com anytime to learn at your leisure and then there's also news.bitcoin.com where they'll give you the latest news headlines every single day from the world of cryptocurrency let's go to your phone calls and thoughts Gigi is on the line listening to wtma in charleston south carolina go ahead Gigi. good evening gentlemen Hi. i am calling to compliment both of you 
I am an avid listener of your show, as I said previously when I called on Saturday evenings. However, I also love the BBC late at night. I'm a night owl. And I heard the most fascinating one-hour program last night at 3 in the morning, East Coast time, all about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency from various British specialists praising it, encouraging it, uh, Mm. describing the advantages for consumers and single people and married people. And they were talking about, there were about five British contributors, and they were talking about things that you two gentlemen have been discussing, including libertarian values and decentralization. So I wanted to tell both of you, bravo. Oh, thanks. So you're saying we scooped the BBC, basically. <laughs> Big time. Okay. And I think, yeah, we did. I think it's very important because you're educating the public. People can question. People can uh, be confused. However, when I was listening to the BBC one-hour format in the middle of the night, mm. all about cryptocurrency, Bitcoin in particular, I said... That's what those two gentlemen always encourage and teach us about. So I want you to know that this girl says bravo. Well, are you, are you have you gotten any Bitcoin yet? I mean, not, not that you have to tell us no, your personal my finances. No, but... I have not gotten involved with it. I just wanted you to know that I compliment both of you. All right. Well, thank you, Gigi. I Thanks, Gigi. appreciate it. And again, you know, it's not too late to get into this thing. Right? Well, and like... Kudos to the BBC for publishing something of that nature, if it's as good as uh, Gigi says it is, and I take her word for it. Uh, At the same time, we welcome globally everybody. The thing about cryptocurrency is that it supersedes governments. It exists in defiance of all governments. Yes, and, and so we welcome that. our British brothers, our you know from that empire, you know our, our brothers and sisters around the globe and everywhere, right? Africa, Russia, you know everywhere that there are people, people can benefit from this technology, and it exists. And they are, and they and they are, and it exists in defiance of governments. If governments could shut it down, they would have done so already. Yeah, that's true. And they are really upset that they can't do anything about it. That's why they are lashing out in whatever ways they can. They are targeting as many as of whatever centers they can, because that's all the government gang knows how to do is they've they've got a, a you know, they've got a hammer. Yeah. And that's their tool in this or a gun or whatever. They've got violent tools and they will use violence and the threats of violence to get their way. But because Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are decentralized, there's no center for them to attack. Normally, if they want to go and close a company, they go to the home office and they say, shut it down. You know, they send in a crew, they raid the place, they arrest people if they need to. But usually they could just send a threatening letter and yeah. the company will just do whatever it is they're told because they don't want the raiding crew to come in and, and destroy their, their business. So it's easy to put your you know your thumb on a center and put pressure on that thing and that's what the government gang does but when it comes to cryptocurrency there is no center decent and in fact uh, a lot of folks but particularly conservatives uh, will 
say things like we have to get back to the constitution and like our founding fathers and and all this kind of thing well their dream believe it or not was for a kingdom without a throne right they didn't want Mm. huge government they didn't want i mean they kind of didn't want any government at all but they put one in place that they thought would you know limit the size and instead it became the largest empire the world's ever known so we know the idea of government doesn't work but they did have a dream of a kingdom without a throne they wanted the people to run the government instead of, like, one chair. Well, that didn't happen. But decentralization is the most important part. And they did think of that in the in the way that they constructed the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and that kind of thing. They thought about decentralizing. And so for the first time in history, we have a technological mechanism for decentralization. And there's nothing more patriotic, I think, in my mind. If you are, you know, you fancy yourself a patriot and you want to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, there's nothing more patriotic than decentralization. Yeah, and one of the things, well, I mean, decentralization's been in, in existence for longer than Bitcoin yes, has. Yes, absolutely. But it's more important that Bitcoin has it because it actually decentralizes money, and that's something that, you know, heretofore has never been Separation of money and state. Yeah, and that is, uh, you know, ultimately the crux of how they get their power is the ability to just print money. And people who've been paying attention know that the states, not just the U.S. government gang, but every other central bank out there has been going, you know, gangbusters with the printing press and incrementing, you know, tons of money into the money supply. And that's one reason why you're seeing, I think you've got a story um, in your show prep tonight about record level inflation. I mean, even when even when you look at the state's own highly manipulated and suspect numbers which are obviously lower than what the reality is that people are seeing at the grocery store yeah. and in you know other places that uh, even in their own numbers the record high inflation numbers so they they have to admit it yeah. you know it's it's gotten so bad they can't cover it up anymore and so to transfer that wealth the control over money into the hands of the individual is a huge change and one more thing about the separation of money and state if you can successfully do that you're going to reduce the state apparatus to what you know maybe more folks think it ought to be which is a bunch of secretaries a bunch of people paper pushers just go oh yeah okay yeah we gotta write a check for the roads or whatever right you know Mm -hmm. instead of being uh you know an all-powerful harbinger of you know death and destruction and bombing people and all that kind of stuff If you can successfully separate money and state, life is going to be a whole lot better. That's absolutely true. But let's let's hear from a critic because, you know, usually they don't call in. So we're going to have to go to what one of them said uh, to apparently CNBC about Bitcoin may not last that much longer. (gasps) Oh, my God. Some academic will explain who he is and what they believe on the way here. The number is 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farm, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com it's free talk live the phones are open if you want to join us here the number is 603-283-6160 that's 603-283-6160 
And I want to let you know about the Free Talk Live program that helps us advertise, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live. It's called AMPS. You can join it over at amps.freetalklive.com. And I want to say thanks to David Itza, who is a gold-level supporter of AMPS. You can join us over at amps.freetalklive.com. You get some cool perks for doing that. And by the way, joining us now in the studio... Peakless Mountaineer. And it's Ian. And the Reverend Captain Kickass. Uh, it's a bit snowy out there here tonight in New Hampshire, so you usually have to go a little slower when you're driving it, from it Manchester. It is some crazy weather. And snow this is on the that first, peak? Uh, this is the first uh, like major snow of the of the winter for me, yeah, so yeah. uh, definitely an adaptation. Glad gotta, you made it. Got to figure out uh, how, to, how to navigate those treacherous byways. Glad you made it here. Usually there are fewer people driving in circumstances like this, so yeah. that helps with not being as likely to crash into Just things. It takes longer to get wrong. places. Yeah. All right, let's go to your calls and thoughts. I want to get into this story, though, about an academic who's saying Bitcoin may be coming to an end. It may not last that much <gasps> I've longer. I've never heard anyone make that kind of a claim yes, before. Yes, yet another claim that Bitcoin is going to die. But first, we got a Robert. He's in Myrtle Beach listening to WRNN. Go ahead, Robert. Uh, yes, I have a question. I wonder if you guys have been following the uh, XRP Securities and Exchange uh, lawsuit. It's been a year since it's been going on, and uh, the XRP community has an attorney, uh, John Deaton. He's actually pulled out some really good uh, facts about how the Securities and Exchange Commission has lied with uh, Gary Gensler and Jay mm-hmm. Clayton about regulatory and giving other coins a free pass and going after XRP and suppressing the price. I wonder what what do you guys think about uh, uh, about the Securities and Exchange Commission? I mean, do they really have any business sticking their nose into something like this? And they avoid the questions when the media asks them questions about this. They they go mute on that. What do you guys think about that? Well, first of all, XRP sort of made their bed. Their product type lent itself to dealing with financial institutions, specifically uh, at its inception. And so they've been sort of playing in the sandbox of, you know, banking institutions and that kind of a thing, if you will. And so I kind of expected something like this to go on. I haven't been following it closely at all because of that. When they first came out with their product and, you know, I saw kind of what it was going to do, I'm like, eh, I'm not going to follow that. I'm holding a little bit of it, but that's about it. Well, this goes to what we were talking about earlier, how the government gang puts pressure on any center that they can find. And Ripple, unlike Bitcoin, is a corporation. There is an actual company. Ripple is a, you know, there's a there's a board of directors or whatever. There's a CEO, and they got a location in, I don't know, San Francisco, wherever the hell they're located. So it's a lot easier for the government gang to put pressure on them. But what's the latest in the lawsuit, Robert? What have we been missing? Oh, Attorney John Deaton, he comes out with information. Uh, Ripple actually subpoenaed ex-Commissioner Dale Hinman in 2017. He actually gave a statement saying that Ethereum and Bitcoin were not securities. Oh, okay. And uh, he said it was his personal opinion, and it didn't apply to the XRP case. But an email chain has surfaced recently that shows that the SEC actually helped him write that speech. And this was more the the opinion of the SEC. And Gary Gilsler is saying, no, it was just the opinion of – uh, ex-commissioner mm. Dale Hinman, mm. and it turns out that there were a lot of Ethereum cells before that, and so forth. And uh, the judge actually has that information, 
and is doing an in-camera review. It's not uh, been exposed to the public yet, but the lawsuit has been going on actually for a year as of next week. So we're everybody's just waiting, you know, just to see what's going to happen. You know, are they going to get regulatory clarity or not? I mean, it looks good for when, if ever, right now, has there been clarity with regulations? I know the government, <laughs> the government yeah. gang likes to talk about regulatory. Oh, we're going to clarify. We'll give guidance or whatever. And uh, I, have you ever tried reading their laws? <laughs> well, I mean, and, it's absolutely unclear, and that's yeah. the reason. There's a reason for it. And who the hell are they to give guidance on something they had no hand in creating? They had yeah. no hand in investing in. They had no hand in helping to build. They had no hand in making popular in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I was they had no say, hand in like, anything. You, you asked uh, if they had any business doing this, and uh, obviously our real answer is they have no business doing anything. But even under mm-hmm. the sort of uh, – uh, even if you're going along with and, and believing that they have some kind of legitimate authority, their authority extends as far as the creations of the government. So this isn't a government currency if it is, in fact, a currency. Well, no, he's talking about the SEC, and they're going to say their authority extends to anything that is considered a security. And so they're saying Ripple is a security. They're saying that Library's token is a security, folks over at Odyssey. Uh, and, and I think they're going well, right. after but other groups. But they are, a, they are a branch of the United States government. Well, Correct. they're part of the, right. the executive branch of the United States government. Right. So... Given that this isn't part of the United States government, just you mean in Ripple? The same, yes, Ripple and every uh, and every cryptocurrency. I mean, you can have a, a company that deals in some uh, in some uh, uh, commodity that exists only in a different country, and okay, sure, you can tell that corporation what to do, but you can't actually regulate the commodity that they're dealing in. Well, they think they can, and that's what they're going to attempt yeah, to do. Yeah, they're certainly trying. Uh, and that's the thing. There's yep. there's no skin off their back if indeed after a year, two, three years, however long it ends up being before this case gets heard and some man in a robe makes a decision about it one way or the other, if the decision goes in the favor of Ripple, well, they've been on hold this this whole time as far as no one wants to do business with them, right? Mm. Like they, they were uh, advertising to banks their product the Ripple, uh, I don't know if you can call it a cryptocurrency, but it's sort of like that from what I understand. The uh, you know They've been trying to pitch this to banks, and no bank is going to touch your product if they, if they know that you're being sued right. by yeah. the regulator that looks at some of their activities. And so you know if three years down the road the, some judge says, oh yeah, this isn't a security, case dismissed. There's not going to be any kind of compensation for the Ripple hmm. Corporation. They're just going to get to move forward at that point. And for the SEC, there's not going to be any kind of punishment. Uh, there's no disincentive for them to bring lawsuit after lawsuit trying to establish their so-called authority. Robert, any other thoughts you want to share about it? Go ahead. Uh, no, I have. I mean, I, like I said, I, no, I've, I've got about 35 cryptos I've invested in. Mm-hmm. XRP is one of my big ones, and this is something that we've just been – you know, on YouTube every day, keeping up with it and everything. So, uh, what do you think's you know, interesting out there? Um, you said you've got thirty-five yeah. cryptos. There's always new stuff hitting the scene. Uh, you know, it's easy to look at yeah, the top I'm ten. I'm wondering but, why you're so interested in this one in particular, uh, given what's out there. The cryptos. Well, I've had XRP for a while. It's just what I mean. The actually yesterday, the uh, <clears throat> the uh, Faster Payments Task Force has appointed a Ripple employee as the vice chairman. So there are a lot of uh, uh, rural banks that actually 
What uh, is the faster payments task force? XRP. So that's one of the things that got me into it and how fast they can move money around. What's, but, what's, I do have others as well. I have your Bitcoin, your uh, Litecoin, your Safe Game Cash. Uh, sandbox those metaverse tokens i have those too all okay those too. what is the i don't if faster task force what is what is that can you say that again faster payments task force what is that is that a government uh, agency it is a government agency to, to actually it's mm-hmm. a panel formed in dc to actually uh facilitate payments cross-border <laughs> payments between the u.s and other countries where was this uh, when uh, i you know back in the day when i was trying to western union 500 bucks you know back home and it took you know i don't know another 150 bucks on top of it to make it go and then it right. took two days yeah, we're still talking. Cheap. I mean, the transaction, even with XLM, Stellar, their their transaction fees are like pennies, you know, in a dollar. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I, I like Stellar. It's an stuff. interesting one. And if, if something is going to function as a currency, it has to have a transfer fee that is like a penny or less. Hey, Robert, thanks for the call tonight. Definitely appreciate hearing from you. And, and that's the thing with cryptocurrency. That's why I was asking him, you know, is there anything fresh out there? He did mention a couple of the uh, the Metaverse mm-hmm. tokens. He mentioned uh, Sandbox. There's another one called Decentraland uh, out there. Those have gone up quite a bit recently. The, there's been a huge, like, land, quote-unquote, land grab, digital land grab, where people are paying hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars for digital parcels in these decentralized metaverse properties very interesting stuff going on out there uh what's going to be number one what's going to dethrone bitcoin well who knows i think it's going to be something someday when that's going to happen we got more on the way you can join us here this is free talk live this is free talk live and phone's open here if you want to join us we're talking about cryptocurrency haven't even gotten into the story yet People will be calling in about it, but we haven't even gotten into the story where yet another so-called expert says he thinks Bitcoin is possibly going to not last that much longer. But as uh, Peakless Mountaineer pointed out, the demise of Bitcoin has been predicted many, many a time. There's actually, I think, a website that kept count and it was in into the hundreds. Still exists. You know? And it's doing very, very well, all things considered. We can tell you more about it here and you can join us of course, online, anytime over at freetalklive.com. We've got archives that are available there for you that go back for a ways, and they're free. So please enjoy at freetalklive.com. We're going to go, though, first to uh, some jail in Virginia where Chris Cantwell is on the line. I guess he was he's still being held uh, in a county jail in Virginia after going to a, uh, a weeks-long civil trial Uh, For listeners that aren't familiar with Chris, he's a former co-host here on Free Talk Live who uh, went in a direction that we didn't agree with uh, as far as his beliefs about race, and so we had to fire him. But, uh, you know, we still have open phones, and still I I try to, you know, show compassion. and Not to mention a different direction as far as uh, government. Yep, that too as well. Um, But uh, anyway, still, you know, somebody who I've kept open communications with, and sadly the federal government gang has put him in a... uh, a box for 40-something months for essentially having a telegram conversation with some other a-hole uh, on the internet. So essentially he's a political prisoner for freedom of speech charges. Chris, uh, welcome back. You're on Free Talk Live. Yes, I'm, I'm fortunate that Free Talk Live has such low standards that I can still call in. It's good to speak with you, gentlemen. I am coming alive <laughs> standards. from the Central Virginia Regional Jail listening to you on WJFN 100.5. And uh, it's a pleasure to be able to... So you must be in the Richmond area? I am in Orange, Virginia. I don't okay. know uh, how far that is from 
I'm pretty sure I'm not uh, pro with the geography right. here. I, I always come in a windowless van. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you calling about tonight? What's going on? I'm actually calling you about the um, – you may have heard that uh, somebody, some D.C. authority is looking to sue the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers over the January 6th thing. You familiar with the story? No. I mean, obviously we're familiar with, here, with yeah, January 6th and this so-called insurrection, which was a you know basically an unauthorized tour of the uh, the Capitol <laughs> building where people walked within the line, you know, kept within the lines for the most part and were very you or- orderly. You know, if I'd have known you could have insurrections without weapons, maybe I wouldn't have been such a staunch, yeah. uh, staunch defender of gun rights. One of the YouTube guys, I was watching it live, one of the YouTube streamers was like, this is this is led by old men with canes. Yeah, <laughs> the, the most embarrassing insurrection in history, I think. It's, uh, so it was a mostly peaceful protest, as as uh, <laughs> CNN likes to call these things. Yeah. And so, so what about it? And I'm and I'm locked up with a bunch of those guys. As a matter of fact, I've met I've met a couple of these uh, Capitol vets, as I like to call them now, hmm. um, <laughs> in the course of my <laughs> travels around the Central Virginia Regional Jail. And uh, I was listening to NPR the other day. And they told me that uh, so these—I forget if it's the the DC whoever the DC attorney is—is is suing the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, and like some individuals who were involved in the in the uh, in the mostly peaceful protest of January sixth. And what they're suing them with is the the KKK Act of eighteen seventy one. What's that? And if, and if that sounds familiar, it might have kept up with the lawsuit that I was just involved in. Which is exactly the laws that they sued us under. Hmm. And the the thing that was really funny as I was listening to them talk about this on NPR was that the big headline in NPR and a lot of the other left wing media was, Oh yeah, well, this is the same thing that they sued the white supremacists in Charlottesville over and uh they got twenty five million dollars out of them. Okay. Well, that's not what they got twenty five million dollars for. What they got they got most of that was from James Fields, who's going to spend the rest of his life in a federal prison and is never going to pay a dime of it. Mm-hmm. And that was for assault and battery and intentional infliction of emotional distress. They, we deadlocked the jury on those civil rights counts because they didn't actually have the goods on us. I beat them on that. And these people are all celebrate that the D.C. Attorney General or whatever is going to go sue the Proud Boys using the same tactic they just tried to pull on us. Yeah, that's interesting. One of the things you had told us about that civil suit was the people that you were involved with there were sued and you were sued and there were multiple counts. The ones that you're saying you beat were the federal counts from this uh, this act that you're referring to. But the, they did get you on state level stuff like the state of Virginia so-called conspiracy, civil conspiracy charges. And, and now they're saying you got to pay like $700,000, right? Yeah, so I've got seven hundred thousand dollars in punitives and like, and my share of five hundred thousand um, in compensatory. All but, of this because you showed up at a rally that you were permitted to be at. A fight broke out. You defended yourself, according to you know the way you told told the story, and uh, and because of that, somebody had their their feelings hurt, and so they brought a, brought this lawsuit and bogged you down in what uh, I think you described as lawfare. And, and they're actually not shy about saying that that was the whole point of it. That's right? true. They They've admitted that. that. There was an NPR they, story where they admit that they just want to bankrupt you, basically. Yeah, they don't have any expectation to get a dime out of any of us, right? The whole point the, – the, the point of it was really – even more than to bankrupt us is to prevent us from organizing, mm-hmm. right? They were literally afraid that the alt-right was going to gain political power, and they were like, you know – follow the ethnicity of the people who were doing this, you understand why. They were like, we can't allow that to occur. We'll do anything that we can to stop it, right? And so 
they they basically they bragged about this that they sabotaged the political movement by bogging us down in lawfare. That's the whole point of it. And the thing is that they failed, though, right? Like they they went on TV and they proclaimed victory because they had twenty five billion dollars. But almost all of that is over a guy who's spending the rest of his life in federal prison. It wasn't a conspiracy that they won that money on, mm-hmm. right? They got you know they got hundreds of thousands of dollars of awards out of me and a couple other guys. But they're not going to get a dime of that either because of the way that the verdict came down. Like they said on count three, there was you know one dollar in compensatory damages and five hundred thousand dollars in punitive damages per defendant. Well, like there's laws, there's case law, you can't have like a total disconnect between compensatories and punitives. So does so that mean that there's a- an appealable aspect to that verdict? Yeah. So I already have a motion. I have already have a post-trial motion in with the Western District of Virginia Charlottesville Division Federal Court for a motion for um, uh, for a judgment as a matter of law and the alternative for new trial or in the alternative for remitter, saying that, like, look, you know, you can't have, you know, this State Farm v. Campbell is the presiding case law on it, that, like, you can't have a 500,000 to 1 ratio of punitive to compensatory damages. So the punitive damages have to have some relation, mm. some okay. relationship to the compensatory damages. And so that's, and that's just one of the, the, the claims on it. The other one is that it's, it's, I also complain that it's unconstitutionally vague because when you say that you can hold us liable for a conspiracy to violate any one of half a dozen different laws, well, like, like what, what are we, as a matter of fact, we don't know what law I've been accused of breaking now, right? The, the whole thing was premised on this idea that, well, if they, have the, if they have the federal conspiracy, then all of this other crap follows, right? Well, they don't have the federal conspiracy. And since they don't have the federal conspiracy, the rest of it actually doesn't make any sense. And so oh. there's there's a pretty good chance that we're going to do this all over again. Oh, my God. That's probably what's going to be the outcome. I'm going to get to step to that microphone again. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're representing yourself, unlike most of the defendants in this uh, this case. And so you, uh, when you represent yourself in court, you don't have to play by the same rules that the attorneys do. They, you haven't agreed to those rules. They can't disbar you if you, you know, step out of line. So Take away your license, right? Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to share? Like, how's, how's, the, uh, how's the food there at the Central Virginia Spiritual Retreat? The Central Virginia Regional Jail has the best food of any place I've ever been locked up, as a matter of fact. Really? They don't give you nearly enough of it, and they feed you too soon. So I end up eating, like, garbage at night, and I'm getting fat. But the food is actually very high quality. I'm, I'm very satisfied with it. My compliments to the chef. So better than, uh, than federal prison? Oh, it's definitely better than federal prison. In federal prison, the food ain't bad, by the way. You know, hmm. the, the BOP food is all right, and, and notably, you get more of it in the BOP. So, like... You're not. You're less likely to go hungry at night. Hmm. The one thing that sucks here is I don't have like they don't have like the. I mean, you've got hot water like out of your sink, hot water. But yeah. You don't have like the, the cooking boiling. water like, yeah. temperature. So like I make soups with like tap water and it's nonsense. It's like a ramen <laughs> soup. And it's disgusting. But, uh, yeah, nothing's worse than being in uh, jail and them serving you your you know your last meal of the day at like. 4.30 or 5 o'clock, yeah. and then lights don't go out until 11 at night, and you're like, oh, God, if you don't have commissary and some sort of snack, it sucks trying to go to sleep on an empty stomach. It really does. So I'm fortunate that uh, people go to jailatm.com sending money. It's a nice thing of them to do. Jailatm.com, and it's yeah, the which facility? Jailatm.com. Christopher Campbell, Central Virginia Regional Jail in Orange, Virginia, 042171 is my inmate number. Are you there till further notice now? Yeah, so, like, I'm, I have no idea when they're going to take me out of here. You know, I'm guessing that I'm going to be here through through the holidays. You know, right. 
Christmas. That's right. Christmas. Send Chris a book if you want. He's got time. You can send him books, right? You can send you books? Uh, not here. Send me no. books when I get back to prison. All right. Thank so you. wait till he gets back. All right. Thanks for uh, for the call, Chris Campbell. Thanks for the update. Appreciate it, uh, Interesting stuff. And uh, it's always cool to, uh, you know, find people that are listening in prison to Free Talk Live. I love that our signal uh, from a lot of these radio stations covers those yeah, facilities. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so he was just listening to the talk radio stations like, is that Ian? <laughs> More coming up. Is your broken heart stopping you from being authentically happy? My name is Jeremy West, and for a limited time, I am running a free online class to teach you what most people don't know about how to deal with your feelings, the simple way to deal with your negative thinking, the key to breaking your unhealthy relationship patterns, and so much more. No more feeling like a failure who will never find true love. No more self-medicating and ending up feeling even more miserable. And no more feeling like you'll never be someone who deserves an amazing partner. Sound good? You'll discover a new way to finally feel validated and loved. To stop trying to get your self-worth from the very people who tear it down. And to put you in control of your own happiness. So you never surrender that control to another person again in as little as eight weeks. Register now for my free online class at beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. That's beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Kicking off the second hour of the program here. Phones are open for you if you want to join us. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And somebody, some academic somewhere is predicting the demise of Bitcoin. We'll get into that story with you tonight. It's Ian. Peakless Mountaineer. And the captain. Going to go to your phone calls and thoughts, though. They're already uh, lining up. So that's what we do here. We take your calls. Let's do it. We'll do it live. About whatever you want. And again, 603-283-6160. Let's talk to Jet. He's on the line in Tennessee. Jet, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey. Um, just thought I'd call in and do my uh, monthly reminder. <laughs> but I want to talk, I want to kind of make a couple statements and then kind of wrap it up with something about the Adam Kokesh hostage situation. You're going to rap? Wow, that's awesome. I'm going to rap, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we talked a lot for our listeners that maybe haven't heard about Adam. He was arrested just over a week ago in Colorado, in Sawatch County, Colorado, um, some, you know, probably middle of the nowhere county, and as he was on his way back yeah. to uh, Arizona from an, an event, uh, which was to honor the life of the gentleman Johnny Hurley, I believe was his name, who was yeah. killed by the police after... Johnny saved a police officer's life. Um, so that was why Kokesh was there. And apparently he allegedly brought some mushrooms with him or some uh, psilocybin in some form. And yeah. uh, the police pulled him over. I believe we don't get to see the video footage because it cut off six seconds after Adam started streaming it. Uh, they ostensibly found that psilocybin and subsequently arrested and charged him with uh, possession of psilocybin with intent to distribute. So he's facing at least one felony count of that, and he is currently still in the uh, Sawatch County Jail. We have not yet been able to speak to him directly, but he did give a statement over the phone to his wife that was recorded and put online. We played the full nine-minute statement on Thursday night. So if you missed Thursday night's show, 
Go grab that over at freetalklive.com. You can get that whole statement. But as of right now, he's not going to be out any sooner than next Wednesday, as he is currently refusing to be taken into court. So when the guards come to take him from his cell and deliver him to the courtroom, he's refusing to leave the cell. He delivered a handwritten message to the judge in the case, and that was part of what he read uh, over the phone the other day. So very, very uh, you know, strong uh, perspective on Adam Kokesh's part. He's a very brave guy going up against these charges and just refusing to cooperate, essentially, with the uh, you know this terrible system that is forcing this on onto him. But your thoughts, Jet? Yeah, I just wanted to you know toss in the reminder that you know I have actually given you guys the key to help free minds all around the world, and of course that key is to eliminate this word called government from our vocabulary. Because in my mind, and I'm not sure about you guys, but in my mind, there's really no such thing as this thing called government, they're only people, Mm -hmm. people who have decided somehow that they get to make rules and, and uh, they're willing to hurt you and all this kind of stuff. They go to these buildings with big pillars and thousands of steps to make you believe that somehow they're greater or better than others. But the, I just look at them as mentally ill and demon possessed, but with Mm. respect to the um, Adam Kokesh thing, it's a perfect example because imagine now the mental disorder that one must have necessary to believe that you have the power or the right to ban or prohibit other humans from possessing a plant which is found nearly in nature nearly all over the planet. Yeah. I mean it's sick. There's there's insanity. There's a there's a level of insanity that in that that I just can't seem to communicate to other people. The idea that Here's this thing grows in nature. You mean people actually still support prohibition on uh, mushrooms? Oh, I'm sure there are plenty of people. I mean, <clears throat> as you know, I'm a I'm a very faithful Christian. There mm-hmm. are a lot of a lot of people within the church, for example, who just uh, don't understand that uh, you know God created this stuff and He said it was good. That's uh, what do they say when you bring one. that up? Because I mean, that seems pretty clear to me. Like, how could a Christian listen to that? from you and then say, well, no, it's not. It's Satan that put mushrooms here. I mean, what, what do they say? Well, they always, of course, they always like to flip in this thing about how, well, there are certain people who have been chosen by God to be this thing we call government, and, and we need to be obedient oh, to that. I that's go, well, horse hockey. And see, oh, it is. And, I, and I, can, I can refute them and defeat them, you know, biblically, mm-hmm. spiritually, logically, uh, you know, uh, Boy, I, I got a question his choice of Stalin in that case, you know. <laughs> yeah. Seems yeah. like a poor yeah, choice there, God, if you're handpicking all of our so-called leaders. Mm-hmm. But here's the deal. Well, yeah, well, that's that's one of the things I asked them. I said, is God double-minded? Because obviously these people are on two sides of a fence mm-hmm. on this kind of thing. So, yeah, I can... I can get them to the point, always to the point where they're going, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree. Oh, and, yeah. and I I go, well, that means that you got nothing. <laughs> that's right. In other words, yeah, so that's the main thing, though, is to help promote this idea that that there's no such thing as this thing we call the state or government. So stop using that term. They're only people. Now, you can you can make reference to their gangs, gang 
titles. I yeah, I was going to I was going to ask you uh, what you thought about using that as uh, as an adjective. So, so like, if you say uh, government goons or government thugs or the government. Well, mafia. I used to. Yeah, I used to say stuff like that. But see, the term government has been so indoctrinated into kids' minds for so long. Whenever they hear that, it's it's like juxtaposing good and evil in the same sentence. Mm. I mean, it's... So do you have a a suggestion for a different uh, adjective so I can specify which mafia I'm referring to? Yeah, well, start by setting it down to the the group, to the gang that's actually involved, the gang or individual. So let's have, like, like the... The agents of the FBI raided your place. In other words, and they have names and all that stuff. You, you might not know the names, mm-hmm. but you can at least reference them to and, and use, as you said, some derogatory term in combination with that. So if you said FBI goons or whatever, but... Um, yeah, but so don't you still people. have the same problem there where on mainstream media, television, movies, the FBI in 99% of presentations is made to look like the heroes. They're made to look like they're out there protecting people and keeping people safe. And if it weren't for them and, you know, the thin blue line, then it would be anarchy and the people would be being killing each other everywhere. So, I mean, don't you run into the same problem by using the term FBI? No. Uh Actually, I'm trying to get you guys to step slowly into the total elimination of these titles and terms. But um, but the main issue, though, well, is... And replace help- them with what, though? I mean, like, I'm I'm with you for altering for altering our language here because we 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 have been hypnotized by the use of certain terms that just mean an inherent uh, automatic good, and uh, we say certain words and are. while we can fight against them, we have been trained to believe that these people have uh, legitimate authority over us. Well, we don't believe so, that. That's well, why I mean, you have to, you, you have to, you have to go against it. Like we've been taught to believe that we don't anymore. But so, what's what's the what's the end goal look like? Like what descriptions do you well, think we should behavior. be aiming toward? Here's yeah, it's, it's always referring to their behavior. Here's here's the thing. The bottom line is to help people understand that they're only, uh, they're only tyrants, despots, or other people who are being oppressed by the tyrants and despots. That's really all that exists. They're only humans. They're all equal, that kind of thing. Whenever anything comes along that says anybody has a right to do this, mm-hmm. you know, ask them questions. You know, where do they get that right? How is this magic? Sure, but how do we describe uh, what happened really? to Adam Kokesh? Uh, you know, like we started we started doing this, government goons, government gangsters, government thugs. We did that actually at your suggestion, Jet, over the yeah. over the years. So take away and, the word government now. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So what do we say? And, thugs and, calling themselves well, the police. Well, we uh, step, step slowly by going into the actual organization. Like I said, now there was some, some county, some officer, some thug that uh, decided to wrap him up, uh, take him hostage. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely what happened, but we have to kind of explain, I think, a little bit more than some thugs kidnapped our friend. That's definitely what happened, but people might want to know where those thugs are located, what their uniforms are, and all that. I appreciate where you're coming from, though, Jet. There's more coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. It's tricky. Talk Live, phone's open if you want to join us here. Number 603-283-6160 is Bitcoin on the way out. 
what one academic is saying. We don't buy it, but we haven't even gotten into the story yet. Maybe we'll get that chance. Of course, your calls come first here. Uh, with you tonight is Ian. Bigless Mountaineer. And the Reverend Captain Kickass. And we've been telling you about how Intercoin can help any business and organization launch their own currency or raise money using their own token. And now Intercoin has launched its investor token worldwide. And you can get it on an exchange for the first time ever. It's called XMarkets, exmarkets.com. With just an email address, you can sign up over there at XMarkets so you can keep your privacy intact. You can deposit dozens of different cryptocurrencies there, including Bitcoin, trade them for Tether, and then use that Tether to buy ITR, which is the Intercoin Investor Token. You can learn more about Intercoin's vision at intercoin.org, and you can buy or sell ITR on xmarkets.com, exmarkets.com. You just might be advancing the cause of liberty around the world. We go to your phone calls and thoughts. Robert is first up here in South Carolina listening to WTMA in Charleston. Go ahead, Robert. Yes, I just wanted to say as a general comment, comment about the things that go on, you know, in, with regard to the news. Of course, the news is always going to pick the exceptional story that, that where they can grind their axe. Although there are thousands of cases which occurs which exactly the opposite of the example case they pick. Case in point, Jesse Smollett. Here's a, one guy out of 330 million people who goes for worldwide publicity for something that may not have happened. Mm-hmm. Whereas there are thousands of people just in Washington, D.C., which has a high gay population like San Francisco and Miami and Los Angeles. They're, they're, gay people are, are, are harassed and beaten and, and whatever else. not. And even in, in Orlando, Are Florida, they really, the though? Case, I mean, are gay yes. people really beaten these days? Like, you know, I know it has happened in the past. I'm sure it probably happens on rare occasion, but I don't ever hear about those those stories. Not anymore, anyway. It's been like there's nothing in coming the old days, down through- in the 19th. 19- in the 1930s, it happened both in Berlin and in Paris. And one of the guys, I believe, was Hemingway, an American yeah, author. That's almost 100 years ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. In the yeah, 1930s, there were a lot of problems. Yeah. I remember well, hearing stories about it in the 80s. So, you know, some guy, you know, gets beaten, you know, coming out of a bar or something like that uh, well, back in the, the 80s. Is, but since then. The thing is. The thing is, you're not going to change natural human tendencies, regardless of how much press. There's always going to be the guy who hates gay people's guts, and he's going to get one of them or two of them or three of them. And later on in life, he's going to turn out to be gay himself because he's suppressing something that he's afraid is going to come to the surface. That may be true. Motivation. Yeah, that may be true. I mean, honestly, I haven't so, heard of any of these stories uh, since the legalization of gay marriage. Yeah, and the reality is the news media has an interest in promoting stories like this. I mean, not just because it was Jesse Smollett. Obviously, he's got some sort of – he's an actor or something. Uh, but if this were to happen somewhere, if there was going to be some serious um, beating, not just like some random you know scrap outside a bar that's broken up in half a second, but if somebody's actually like beaten within an inch of their life, I would think the news media would pick up on that and run with it because – that's what yeah. they want. They want to spread that kind of fear and uncertainty amongst people. But thank you, Robert, for your call tonight. Let's go to Sarah. She's in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Sarah. Um, yeah, I just have to get off the speakerphone. Um, uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, loud and clear. Go ahead, Sarah. Yes. Um, so we have a hit and run driver again. But this time there's a, a $6,000 reward for a snitch to snitch him out because he's on the run. Because he killed a a seven-year-old boy coming out from the River of Light. It was a Mm. Christmas event. And um, they were crossing the street, and the dad's in the hospital, but the boy is killed. Mm. 
so he was right, driving drunk from a bar, mm. and then seven seconds after the right light had turned red, and then he he ran off, and um, they know who this guy is because they found the car and. He confessed to one of the garage people that I'm the one that killed him. Um, though, and then, but he's hiding. Um, so, do you think you could help find this guy? So I doubt could... it. I mean, we don't live in uh, in Albuquerque, so I mean, even <laughs> we're not going to be able to help you in any way. Have you looked behind uh, the sofa? <laughs> Shape or form? Well, Sounds I mean, horrible, though. Know, what can... uh, what he allegedly did? Okay. I mean, you know, it's reason not to drink and drive, I guess. Well, the whole thing is, I mean, my whole point is, if you get rid of all the panhandlers off the mid- middle of the street, how is this going to stop this, this guy? You know, guys that want red light. Well, that's that's what I was talking about the last time. It just, they don't, they could care. I mean, if they have a homeless people. They can't get rid of the panhandlers. There's been uh, multiple cases in court. The Supreme Court ruled, I think it was in 2015, that panhandling, if it's, if it's public property, you know, if it's a public street, it's completely legal to uh, to go out and panhandle. So if Albuquerque tries to get rid of panhandlers, the ACLU is going to bring up a suit and they're going to lose because it's already been decided by the Supreme Court. Thanks for the call tonight, Sarah. I, I do have a plan for getting rid of all of the panhandlers. So step one, we move from the U.S. dollar to cryptocurrency. Okay. okay. And then people will just be rich enough that we can basically give them enough money to not have to panhandle. Mm. Yeah, but it works out pretty well for a lot of those panhandlers. Like, why wouldn't they want to keep doing that? Even if they're making, like some of them, the old story is, they'll if you, if you watch them after they get off work, you know, they they decide to go home for the night. They like get into a nice car and drive off to a house or Yeah, whatever. that's like one guy. I, I have a very question I, I don't know what you want to call it it's an interesting question it's where are all these pans and why do they need to be handled <laughs> i don't understand this where you know and how come if they are panhandling how come people aren't you know if you pull off the freeway and you see a guy there how come they're not just being handed a skillet you know is that where it came from though did they originally do that well with i pans? think i think panhandling came from uh the miners the gold miners is where I think mm-hmm. it came from because you sit at a river mm-hmm. with your little gold pan. And but how did that turn into the... begging on the side of the road? I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe they used to carry a pan, right, to like put the money in. You know, it's like the the busker with the hat, right? Mm-hmm. He's got his guitar and he's got his hat down and he's playing a tune, hoping for you to just chuck money Could into be. it. I don't know. Well, at least the busker's doing something valuable and people appreciate. I, that. I prefer a busker. Yeah. I won't. I won't give money to people just begging. Uh-uh, me uh, but if you're doing something for like a busker, yeah. hell yeah, I got no problem. You know, performing a service, yeah. even if I didn't ask for it. If it's a good one, I well, usually give some. The only ones that I don't like sometimes you're in a big city and you'll see these guys who come up with like the squeegee and the spray bottle. Oh yeah, and no they thanks. clean your window and then ask you for money. Uh uh-uh. uh And it's like that's, that's the wrong way it. to do it. Yeah, that's scammy. Yeah. All right, so uh, 603-283-6160. Here's a story from CNBC. The future of Bitcoin is anyone's guess, says CNBC, but one academic has warned that the world's most popular cryptocurrency could fade out in the near future. Eswar Prasad, senior professional of international trade professor of international trade policy at Cornell University, told CNBC Squawk Box Europe earlier this month, quote, Bitcoin itself may not last that much longer, he said. Bitcoin's price has been highly volatile over the last few years. Well, forever and in the last month the price of one coin has fallen from around fifty eight thousand dollars to less than forty six thousand dollars while there used to be just a few cryptocurrencies today there are hundreds that's wrong there are actually thousands 
and some of them are more than uh, more useful and more environmentally friendly than Bitcoin. Blockchain is the underlying technology behind most cryptocurrencies. It's essentially a digital ledger of virtual currency transactions distributed across a global network of computers. But what I want to know is why this guy thinks it's not going to work. And so we'll get into it, because he does comment on that. I want to know, too. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can join us here on the radio this live Saturday episode of Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. If you want to join us here, number 603-283-6160, Here tonight, it's Ian. Big Bliss Mountaineer. And the Reverend Captain Kickass. We're raising funds for Give Directly. It's the first nonprofit that allows you to give money directly to people living in extreme poverty. They locate recipients in need. Such a great idea. Places like Bomet and Kalifi counties in Kenya. These are talking. We're talking about real poverty here. Yeah. Uh, and you know, in the past decade, they have delivered over four hundred million dollars to over a million people, and they find that giving cash directly to folks in poverty can drive a range of important positive changes like employment, nutrition, health, and education. And cash allows individuals to invest in what they need instead of relying on aid organizations and donors thousands of miles away. To, dis, uh, to decide for them. So if you support this idea, Free Talk Live is going to match your donations up to a total of $30,000. And so if you're feeling generous this holiday season, head over to give.freetalklive.com. You can help some folks out. They really need it. That's give.freetalklive.com. Let's go back to your calls and thoughts, and then we'll get into the critique of Bitcoin on the way here. But uh, Greg is first, listening to WGOW-FM there in Tennessee and Chattanooga. Go ahead, Greg. Hey, good evening, guys. Thanks. Yes, I'm looking forward to uh, my Crypto 6 uh, shirt uh, to brighten my holiday. It's coming in the mail. I'm looking forward to that. Cool. Nice. You must but, have gone to the Crypto 6. Or no, is it, is it thecrypto6.com? Yep. Yeah, thecrypto6.com. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally naive to crypto, but I'm calling as a bedside nurse and a healthcare provider. Uh, it's kind of a rant. But hmm. the squeeze on healthcare and, and everybody doing more with less, more with less, and the pressures we're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um it, it, it's tough to try to make sure there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not an uncommon train, you know, some days. And um, I was wondering how New Hampshire's fielding and, and you, in news and the things we see across, you know, our news uh, outlets, I'm looking at the Free State Project, the 
specifically, and I'm curious, are the numbers any better? Because I had a great trip up there in November. I uh, started working on the 48th of the summits up there, and I'm looking at New Hampshire as my next location. But healthcare-wise and COVID-wise, how is New Hampshire doing? I would well, I mean, I'm not a healthcare yeah. worker, but we do have a young lady, Nikki, who co-hosts with us a couple nights a week, and she, until... I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, was a nurse. Uh, now, did she she did work in Massachusetts, but obviously she's still kind of connected to uh, to those folks. Um, and uh, so I guess I have a question for you, though, before we get into it here, Greg, is are they firing people there for being unvaccinated uh, in Tennessee? Yes. The vaccine mandate came down from our bigger organization. I can't name it, but um, they did allow – there is a medical – exemption and a religious exemption if you wish to apply for it but it's a case-by-case basis is anybody Uh, actually getting it though i I know of uh, a four in my immediate circle of workers that have been granted an exemption i know that nikki was told that if she is granted the exemption she would then have to segregate herself from the other workers she wouldn't be able to like just eat lunch with them in the same room uh, and it would just completely have affected her ability to even have any kind of social relationships with uh, with her other. Yeah, that's uh, the same, and they got to test every week. Yeah, that kind of crap. Uh, so yeah, that same crap is happening here. Uh, I guess if there's anything that can be said that's good is it's not mandated by the government here, but of course, as you know, all these healthcare organizations just love to jump, you know, through as many hoops that they don't have to jump through because, you know, government. Yeah, Medicare dollar. Yeah, yeah oh, Medicare, yep. right. So the federal government is putting pressure on them. So that's a good point. Um, I will say this. I do have uh, – there's a really cool doctor here in Keene that yeah. is a primary care facility. It's a direct primary care. It's just a couple. It's a couple of doctors that moved up here from Mexico, and they're doing direct care, which means that you pay a monthly fee and you get direct access to them. So, like, you know, thankfully there's not a whole lot wrong with me or anything like that. But, uh, you yeah. know, when they first had the intake – uh, procedure. I I sat with this lady for an hour and just t- talked with her about a whatever. You know, we you don't sit with a doctor for an hour any anywhere else. You know. Wow. Okay. So so well, I mean there are alternatives, right? Like, but they're not hiring because they don't need any staff. They're not taking insurance. They're not taking uh, Medicare. They're cash or cryptocurrency only. So when you walk in, you're dealing with the doctor. There's not anybody sitting at a counter or, you know, shuffling papers or anything like that. So there's some alternative, I think, uh, organizational systems that could arise. Yeah, there's definitely opportunity for entrepreneurial type people who maybe can put together some sort of a, uh, a telehealth company where, you know, you have subscribers who pay, oh, I don't know, you know, the annual fee for like a doctor and some nurses and you do all your stuff through online stuff and that way, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, viruses and, you know, all that kind of thing. But if the need comes, like you could provide for a fee, for example, some sort of a house call service on top of that. Mm-hmm. Right. It wouldn't be very difficult to do. And I think, you know, I don't, I'm not a medical business, pra- you know, sort of guy, but like, I think there's room for that type of a thing uh, all over the world, much less just here in New Hampshire. Yeah. I think it would be easier to happen in New Hampshire than anywhere else. Yeah, that's basically how China deals with uh, its shortages in, in healthcare workers is by uh, bringing a lot of it onto the Internet. Yep. And well, it and- seems to be one, one of the few jobs that hasn't uh, moved to Zoom and we know that uh, from the testimony that happened at the hearing last week here in Keene, where they, they've been proposing, and this week sadly passed, another mask mandate. 
but at this particular hearing, the hospital people were there, of course, all masked up and talking about how ter- how terrible things are at the hospital and how understaffed they are. And then somebody else got up and said, yeah, they're understaffed because they fired over 100 <laughs> right. nurses. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's that's happening all over the state where people who are unvaccinated, huge chunks of their uh, these hospital employees are getting blown out the door. And so that's why they're trying to do more with less. They're bringing this problem on themselves. Yeah. And it's it's an it seems like it's a ripe opportunity for some of these unique ideas, maybe things that haven't been tried before for people to try new things. And, yeah. you know, we're at the we're at the cusp of something like that if it happens. Yeah, that's encouraging. I'm I'm trying to. Look for that bright light, you know, for something better, you know. So, but I appreciate you guys. Love Free Talk Live. Thanks, Thanks Greg. Again. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. Thanks for the call. Uh, and, and I think it's going to take, you know, an effort of not just freedom-loving people, but freedom-loving medical people. Come on up to New Hampshire and you know try to build something better. Yeah. I think one of the things that could happen, now again, I'm not a state representative. I can't make this proposal myself, but we know state representatives here because a bunch of them are Free State Project participants. There are something like 40 of them, mm-hmm. maybe a little more than that. And then there's dozens more who are pretty liberty-friendly, even though they're not quote-unquote free staters. They, they get freedom. Yeah. They vote for it 90% of the time. Um, you know, maybe somebody needs to propose to abolish healthcare licensing. I mean, wouldn't mm. that solve the problem? Let make it so that the state cannot hold something over you, right? Because now, as I said, in New Hampshire, the state has not said, as they did in Maine, the state, the governor in Maine said all healthcare <clears throat> providers must be vaccinated. That was a state right. top-down thing. That hasn't happened here. But there's still the, the potential that the state could hold a license over somebody's head for whatever reason. What if we just got rid of, uh, you know, doctoring licenses and nursing licenses and just let the marketplace do certifications? What would that be like? That'd be great, in my opinion. Well, you'd have a, a lot more competition. You'd have a lot more uh, varying levels of skill for right. different levels of need. Oh, and cost. I mean, cost would come way oh, yeah. down. Because, yeah, I mean, you, you don't need someone who has every skill of a doctor for most things you you need like i need skill in this i need skill in this i don't necessarily need all of this which i mean if you're prescribed if you're prescribing medications then that can be very useful because you can go okay well i also know what medications are usually prescribed for this so i know to check that because it it reacts poorly with this but any situation where you're not prescribing pharmaceuticals, you don't need that broad of a training. Yeah, and I know that on the, we'll call it the hardware side of the medical industry, right? This is all the apparatus that you need, you know, to be treated in hospitals, specialized things. On the hardware side, most of these companies' biggest expense is navigating the bureaucracy, mm-hmm. right? So they have to employ dozens of people in departments to make sure that they're in compliance with whatever their medical product has to be in compliance with before they can even price their thing, their object. That's true in most doctor's offices, too. Most of the staff you see in there is doing paperwork. They're not actually helping patients. We're on the way here, 603-283-6160. And think about uh, how secession, declaring independence, will factor into this. Getting away from all those federal rules like the FDA. We're coming up. Free Talk Live. The story about the academic who saying Bitcoin may not last much longer. We'll get into that coming up here. Maybe 
it's not what you think it is. I was just looking ahead in the story. It's oh. it, it, there's a twist here. Did we're, you peek? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get into that because uh, it actually turns out it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I was wondering, uh, does he have some new information that's different from all of the other people that have predicted the demise? Well, we'll get into it. Uh, but uh, it is Ian Peakless Mountaineer and the captain in the studio. We're gonna go to your calls and your thoughts, though. You can bring up whatever is on your mind. He's Greg in New York. From Intercoin, actually. It's Intercoin, Greg. Hey, Greg. Hey, it's Intercoin, Greg. Yeah. Um, I saw some of my friends posting on Facebook about, you know, uh, billionaires and whether they should be giving back to society or spending on themselves. And I dug up two quotes by Adam Smith and John Locke. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to bring them up uh, because a lot of people who are Austrian economists and praxeologists and just all around uh, anarcho-capitalists, they like to talk about homesteading, and they like to talk about the invisible hand. So these are the two authors from whom uh, these concepts originate, or at least that's where we get them from. So this is what Adam Smith says um, about the invisible hand. It's one of his books. He says, the rich consume little more than the poor, and in spite of their natural selfishness and rapacity, they divide with the poor the produce of all of their improvements. They are led by an invisible hand, to make nearly the same distribution of the necessities of life which would have been made had the earth been divided into equal portions among its inhabitants and thus, without intending it, without knowing it, advance the interests of the society and afford means of the multiplication of the species. So in modern English, he's saying that in his time, the rich could only eat so much and therefore, by whatever other means, things would trickle down to everyone as if it was equally divided to everybody else. Um, hmm. So I wanted to quote that and then see what you guys thought. And then, uh, well, we know that, uh, like you know, rich people in a lot of cases are are creators, right? They uh, there's of course the new rich that just inherited money from from daddy, and sure. they're usually pretty useless. Uh, but uh, the, you know, the people that actually earned it earned it because they created some sort of service or product and put people to work and gave them opportunities that never existed before. And is this in reference to the? Uh, I'm just curious. Is it the Elon Musk conflict with Warren, the senator? Is that what the comments? I guess are? so. I mean, people on Facebook are probably reacting to current events, so it's probably that. But it comes up pretty often. Should the rich pay their fair share? In you know. Well, I want to address that fair. before you go on with your second quote. Uh, for those that don't know, Elon Musk, I guess, had it out with this Elizabeth Warren character, the senator from, I think, Massachusetts, and she was talking about how he's dodging taxes or whatever. Isn't she a Native American? I don't know. And, <laughs> and so he points out that he's paid an S-ton in, in taxes and basically you know, shot back at her pretty hard, and it was pretty – I forget what he said, but it was pretty hilarious. What He gave it to her good. To be fair, and, I, I do wonder whether he is a net taxpayer, uh, given how much of his money comes from uh, like green subsidies and things like that well but the thing i wanted to say about it was you don't give to society by giving government money like giving the government taxes is just enriching a bunch of lunatic sociopath psychopath crazies who want to go around the world murdering people i mean you're just enriching them and you're not actually helping society if you want to help society you know give to some uh medical like we're talking about medical societies or give to you know charitable groups that are actually feeding uh hungry people then you can actually have an impact with your uh with your wealth if you give it to the money you might as well just be setting it on fire or give it to the government you might as well set it on fire Anyway, go ahead, Greg. Uh, yeah, I largely agree with that. Actually, Elon Musk is a pretty interesting character on Twitter. 
Um, he had a recently a, a spat with the World Health Organization, I think, or someone, uh, no, the United Nations report that $6 billion would have eliminated all world hunger. And he says, show me exactly how it would do it. And I would put $6 billion towards that. And I actually uh, had Intercoin respond to that and say, we don't need $6 billion or central planning. You know, we can empower the societies to take care of, to, to help uh, end food insecurity right there in their own society yes. using these platforms. <laughs> yes. And in fact, there are uh, methods of even like housing, for example. I don't know, Greg, if you're familiar with the term Earthship, E-A-R-T-H, Earthship. Uh, but it is a method that has been developed of a self-sustaining, self-heating, self-cooling home that also provides you gardening so you can grow food indoors and outdoors. It collects rainwater. It filters all the water for you into both uh, fresh water and gray and black water. Uh, and also takes care of all of the, you know, the humanure and the compost and all of that kind of stuff in a very recycling way. Now, this particular form of housing is largely illegal in most parts, at least of the United States. Uh, it's the, the inventors of this thing were given a sort of a, 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 you know, exception for the little piece of land that they own so they could develop these earth chips as a technology but you know who calls on them now it's like you know one of these islands that gets taken out by like a hurricane or whatever they call on these guys and like the governors or you know whoever represents you know government on that island is like no please come in we don't have any laws against this help us build these self-sustaining you know uh person keeping you know communities with your new technology these earth ships if you will and uh, it's it's pretty great if the bureaucracy would get out of the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of technology that helps communities, as you guys well know. Uh, you know, I, I call in as a left libertarian, but that's because I criticize concentrations of money and power, regardless of whether they are owned by Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg well, or the government. Well, now, hold on there. So, yeah seems to me there's three ways of getting uh, uh, more money than everyone else. Now, you can inherit it, uh, as Ian pointed out. You can earn it, as, uh, Adam's, or, uh, as Adam Smith was talking about. Or you can do it the corrupt way through being either a, a crony of government or someone that they like. Right, right. So, well, I mean, like, uh, the, the yeah. accumulation uh, of a lot of wealth in one place depends on how it's done. So, I mean, if it's stolen like the government does, then that's a bad thing. But if it's something where they, they produced enough value that so many people benefited that they now have a, a large store of wealth, what's wrong with that? What's, uh, nothing was wrong with how it was a mess. I think that Amazon helped so many people. I'm a big fan of Jeff Bezos for building Amazon. Okay. Uh, all I'm saying is that once that wealth has been amassed, it's a question of whether we need central planning or one man or one group or whatever to decide how all those billions of dollars uh, would be spent. And I know that sounds unfair. It sounds like, well, if uh, Jeff Bezos built a corporation that now has machines and people and patents and all kinds of things, in which case sometimes they use the government for, and then he passively gets all this income, even if he did nothing. The question is, uh, is it better for society for him to decide where that money goes, or is well, it better? I don't know. Well, like, 
Well, uh, so th- th- this is kind of a, a gray area, given how uh, how corrupted this specific example is with uh, with government involvement. But in a, in the hypothetical of Je- of Jeff Bezos, you mean because Amazon has huge government contracts for like their yeah, right. servers? And yeah, things that's like exactly that? what I mean. Yeah. So in the hypothetical, as as people might think of Je- Jeff Bezos, where he was actually earning this through uh, through value to others. So the problem with uh, not being able to spend that money once you've figured out how to get it is that a lot of people will go, oh, well, then why bother uh, producing so much value for others that I can accumulate this much? Well, Well, my my answer is simple. It's because once you pass a billion dollars, most people would still be motivated to make their first million or 10 million or whatever. But at some point, uh, it's really, you know, Steve Jobs didn't suddenly give up waking up every day, going to work. He wanted to make a ding in the universe. He wanted to actually make a difference, and he did. And it wasn't because he didn't care about how he was going to get taxed. He sold his shares in a fire sale after he went uh, left Apple. So to me, not motivated by just uh, you know, uh, low taxes. To me, Greg, this sounds a lot like uh, maximum wage. Right. This is the opposite of minimum wage. Mm. Right. And forever I've used that as an argument against minimum wage. Right. Everybody be like, oh, minimum wage should be seven twenty five. Minimum wage should be 15. Minimum wage should be 25. And I'm like, well, if you're going to have a minimum wage, should you not have, you know, also a counterbalancing maximum wage? To you should have neither. Nobody has an answer because you should have neither. Yeah. But it sounds a lot like what you're talking about, Greg, is, you know, once you reach, you're using a billion dollars as an arbitrary right. number. And who I'm decides? Sure. Right, and and, uh, and a lot of these people who do who are super high earners do so for their their family and for their children and grandchildren. Well, and I would just like to sort of marry this with your point that you're trying to make, peak list. If you take all the billionaires in the United States of America today and take all of their money from them, that amount of money would run the government for what a week or two. <laughs> right. right. Hey, thanks for the call, Greg. Appreciate hearing from you. And by the way, I do have the Musk quotes here from his tweets with Senator Elizabeth Warren and. He hands it to her. It's pretty good. I'll share that. Coming up here in hour number three, you can take control of the airwaves on Free Talk Live's live Saturday show. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on joined the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. This Bitcoin topic here over the uh, the last couple hours. You've got a few Satoshis in. Of course, it's open phones, and that means you can bring up anything you want. With you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Peakless Mountaineer. And the captain. 
The story that we're going to get back into when we get a chance is uh, from CNBC, where they interview a an academic who claims that Bitcoin may not last that much longer. But what does he mean when he says that? That's the headline. But what's the story actually about? We'll get into it a little bit deeper. And I said that I had pulled up the tweets from Elon Musk. Uh, it was our last caller who brought up a conflict that that he was having online with Elizabeth Warren, who is a, I guess, senator from Massachusetts, just a really horrible uh, human being. She brought up in, uh, I guess, one of her tweets a couple a few days ago. She said, let's change the rigged tax code so the person of the year, referring to Elon Musk being, I guess, Time Magazine's person of the year, uh, will actually pay taxes and stop freeloading off everyone else. <laughs> I find it hilarious that somebody who is actually freeloading off of everybody else, a senator. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, last I checked, her income is strictly government. So, hmm. Captain, had you read Musk's response? I mean, I see a bunch of stuff. I don't recall Because he came at it from a similar perspective. Yeah, he said, if you opened your eyes for two seconds, you'd realize I pay more taxes than any American or I will pay more taxes than any American in history this year. He said further, stop projecting. When Warren said that (laughs) uh, he was freeloading, he said, stop projecting, uh, calling her a fraud and uh, saying, you remind me of when I was a kid and my friend's angry mom would just randomly yell at everyone for no reason. Please don't call the manager on me, Senator Karen. He said, and then further added in another tweet, said to Warren, don't spend it all at once. Oh, wait, you did already. Oh, Oh, that's pretty good. Zing. And uh, Peekless, you'd referenced another tweet that he made recently that the USA Today is obviously not going to bring up here, where he just calls out the government, the state in general, for being what it is, which is a monopoly on violence. Now, we don't have that particular tweet um, ahead. On us right now, but you. Yeah, I mean, if you take the idea of a corporation to its natural uh, deepest extent, like the most corporation that a corporation can be is a government. Yes, and it's, spe- it's the it's the granddaddy of all corporations. Yeah. Yes, well, and and not just in that it uh, it does bestow the title of corporation on companies, correct, and yes. thus giving them this. Uh, terrible legal shield that means that none of them will be responsible for any of their actions but also it just operates in exactly the same manner as a corporation i have used that particular fact with sort of my lefty leaning friends who are all anti-corporation and i'm like okay well what don't you like about corporations well i don't like this i don't like that i don't like the blah 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 this and that and i'm like okay Now, all of those things that you don't like about corporations, would it be safe to say you also don't like about the entity known as government? And that's where they start doing the mental gymnastics about, you know, well, without a government, we would blah, 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 blah. But when, in fact, they're the same exact things. Yeah, they're they're a company whose export is force. Yes. That's all it is. And I mean, if you talk to a lot of the the lefties, uh, and they're like, "Well, do you want uh, do you want Walt Disney to take over the world?" And it's like, "Well, hold on a second. So let's look at say the most iconic thing about the Disney Corporation, the the little Mickey, you know, insignia." Okay. Okay. Why can't I use that? You know, why can't I make a Mickey Mouse cartoon? Well, because the government will come after me. That's right. And 
they can't pay for the enforcement of copyright on every single piece of property that they own <laughs> right. throughout the world and certainly throughout the United States. That's expensive. They can't afford that. But if they can outsource the force to this great big corporation and that we call government. And socialize its cost, force exactly. everyone to pay for it. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, to uh, Elon Musk's credit, He's got this thing down. You guys give me enough time to actually pull up a Reason.com story. This was a little over a week ago. So before he got into it with Elizabeth Warren, he was on, uh, let's see if I can give credit to where this was, Wall Street Journal tech columnist was interviewing him. And in this interview, he says the government is simply the biggest corporation with a monopoly on violence and where you have no recourse. Yes. And that's another important point is they make it seem like you do because they have this court system. And, oh, yeah, of course you can vote the bums out. Right. Uh, But that's just an illusion. And uh, he goes on. He says here uh, there's he says, I think the role of government should be that of a referee, but not a player on the field. Government should try to get out of the way and not impede progress. Oh, I mean. Yes, and and if you take that to its natural conclusion, you would find that it's a completely useless institution. Yeah, and that's not an anarchist statement per se, but he's definitely flirting with some similar ideas. Yeah. Uh, so kudos to him. Certainly for read up on some that. libertarian ideology, perhaps some anarcho-capitalist leanings. Its very existence impedes progress inherently. Yes, that's what they, to everything. Govern, that's what everything that, means. that it does impedes progress. Yep. I want to go to Ken. He's in Alabama listening in Birmingham. Go ahead, Ken. Hey, good evening. Hey. Um, just wondered if you guys uh, happened to see uh, Steve Bannon's uh, program that's called The War Room on America's Voice TV network. No. Uh, in my opinion, one of the better uh, political programs out there. I don't watch political uh, shows. I just don't care. Okay. Well, anyway, it's free to watch. Uh, if your cable doesn't have it, uh, you can see it on Roku for free or on their app for free. Uh, he interviewed uh, this guy uh, by the last name of Beatty, who runs the website Revolver, and he's been doing uh, deep research into uh, January 6th. He's already shown one guy that was the uh, ringleader in egging everybody to go into the Capitol, but now today uh, they have new video uh, evidence about five people that were hanging around I believe he said the Freedom Monument, and as soon as Trump started speaking, they went into action and started cutting the fence and everything to clear the way uh, for the uh, rioters uh, to go into the Capitol. So all I'm saying is the uh, rabbit hole of government involvement uh, on January the 6th gets, just gets deeper and deeper. So you're, su- and, you're uh, saying this guy's suggesting that these men clearing the fence or cutting the fence were government agents and that they were encouraging people. And, and there has been other, you know, uh, video footage of, for instance, guards at the Capitol just opening up side doors, apparently, and waving people in. So would well, you and, say it's, th- and it's certainly in the government's best interest to have this uh, event that they can mm-hmm. point at and say, see, you need more government because an insurrection can occur. Right. We need more police, right? Is that what you're saying, Ken? Exactly. And uh, anyway, these guys either were government agents or are certainly working for the government, apparently. Mm-hmm. So uh, just wanted to throw that out there. Interesting. And, uh, enjoy your program, and I'll say uh, thank you so much, and uh, good evening. Pleasure. Kate. Thanks for the call tonight, Ken. I appreciate it. The thing about the January 6th, the whole thing is, I mean, is it that easy to just walk in and take <laughs> over the capital of the United States of America? Apparently it was like, in that case. I mean, for the largest empire to ever exist on planet Earth. 
you'd think it'd be a little bit trickier to like force them to stop yeah because i mean you know as soon as as soon as they start breaching the capital everyone's got to be you know uh taken out of that building because they don't want uh, these insurrectionists to find them so they can't be uh you know involved in legislating at that point even though the only person who was shot on that day was one of the unauthorized tourers mm-hmm. who was shot and killed by a federal uh, police agent. I mean, I've seen better security at thrash metal shows <laughs> or kids trying to get into a mosh pit mm-hmm. than I saw on that day. Well, that's just well, the question then. Is it a planned thing where they wanted these people to come in and make this show? Or is it just that the federal government is completely incompetent and they really were overrun by these people? I think yes. Both. <laughs> More importantly, the planned thing, I think, uh, one of the things that I've always seen is that when you are breaching an area uh, that you are supposed to be denied access to, depending on how difficult it is, will determine how destructive you are once you get in. Mm-hmm. And there yeah. was basically no resistance whatsoever to them entering the Capitol, which is why as soon as they got in there, it literally looked in a, a lot of the footage, not all of it, like an unauthorized tour. Yeah. Where, like they're not breaking things, they're not burning things, they're, you know, farting on a desk. There's more coming up here. It was a disappointment. Uh, more coming up here. 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can bring up anything here on Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Phones open if you want to join us. Live Saturday show at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And we are giving away a bid box coming up here in a within the next couple weeks, probably New Year's Eve, we'll have a special New Year's Eve Freer Talk Live, which is our after show, and on occasion we do on our internet feeds only, so you don't have to adhere to FCC rules on those shows, which makes it a little more interesting. I would love to do more of that, but like, if I get comfortable cussing in an environment... It can be risky. Like, like if... If a f- an episode of that could be done not here mm. so that my environment is different, then I could keep the two straight. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but we will be doing it likely New Year's Eve, and then we're going to give away a Bitbox, which is a open source, 100% open source hardware cryptocurrency wallet. If you've got Bitcoin, Ethereum, or Litecoin, you probably want to check out the Bitbox. It's a pretty uh, interesting little piece of hardware at uh, box.freetalklive.com is where you can learn more about it. You can also order yours for 5% off with using code FTL, like Free Talk Live. But we're going to give one away on New Year's Eve only, though, to somebody who is in the AMPS program. So it'll be an extra perk. If you are a member of AMP. So head over to amps.freetalklive.com. You can sign up there. Let's go to David. He's in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live, David. Yeah, recourse against the government. You mentioned that a little a few, few moments ago that there's uh, you'd like to get it, but there's not much good way to get it. And let me tie that into uh, Jet Jet's suggestions. Mm-hmm. And let me also tie it into, uh, I believe there were some thugs that uh, smashed through some windows and walls and flew some spy equipment into your presence and then uh, pointed guns at people and uh, took them hostage and yeah, demanded yeah, to see them yeah. naked and stuff like that. And um, you, you, you probably don't even know any of those people's names because I'd like to know their names. I think America should know their names, so we probably don't know their names. 
But here's where it ties in. And uh, I've been, once again, being mocked again recently for not letting go of this after 14 years. But you know know what? If the FBI, uh, these thugs that uh, did what I just laid out to you, and you know full well what they did because they did it to you, if they did that to me, I think 14 years later, I'd still be as pissed as I am uh, now thinking about it being done to somebody who's not me. And I think I'd still... Be, be ranting about it. And I think if I knew their names, I would share their names with the, with America. And that's why I continue after 14 years to st- make factual statements like Judge M. Monica Zamora in New Mexico and Judge John J. Romero Jr. have been adjudicated by the New Mexico Court of Appeals with a unanimous, unanimous three-judge panel decision in my favor, David Olson, saying that Judge M. Monica Zamora and Judge John J. Romero Jr. Ill- Legally trafficked my children. But of course, That's as you know, you there's been no recourse. There's been no punishment for no, those people. That is the recourse. That is the recourse. Right now, my screaming voice is being heard all over the state of New Mexico. So the being heard is recourse? I disagree. Will you, will you let me finish? <laughs> well, he disagrees. Fam- you you mock me. The family. I'm not oh. mocking you. Yeah, I don't think that's mocking. It's just a, you know, a, a calm disagreement. Romero. Yeah, he's just going. All right. Well, thanks for the call tonight. We heard you. Uh, but it's not recourse. Why? Well, number one, it doesn't help you in any way, shape or form. So, like, he's lost something. He's, he's still lost, angry. And, and I mean, to lose the ability to raise your own children is an extraordinary toll to put on someone. And I, to do so when when you haven't earned, I mean, because like, sure, if you're abusing them, then it makes sense that you don't get to raise them anymore. Mm-hmm. But when that isn't the case and nothing like that is the case, it is a terrible thing to take that from you. And if you get nothing for that, then you don't really have recourse. And number two, all of those people that did that are still doing it. Yeah. To so, other people. To other people. Right? Yeah. So yeah. you haven't been you haven't been restored. And they're still committing the crime. That's yeah. why that that's why that's not recourse. Uh, I mean, the only recourse I know of in general for all of these criminals is to move out of their money. Yeah, because if you are still living or if you're another person living nearby where David lives in the Albuquerque, New Mexico area, and you also have a child with somebody and the you know divorce happens and things go south and it's not amicable and then you end up in front of M. Monica Zamora, yeah. uh, then you know if you've heard David ranting about her on the air, you may know what you're in for, but you're not going to be able to say, oh, um, Ms. Zamora, I'm sorry, you're going to need to recuse yourself. I know who you are and I know what you did to david olson it's not going to work she's just going to say well i'll do whatever i want to you know yeah i'm the appointed judge on this case quiet surf yeah oh yeah i mean there there are much much more blatant cases of you obviously are supposed to recuse yourself from this case you obviously don't obviously and and very well documentedly have this that and the other conflict of interest they never do Let's get back into Bitcoin here. So there's a an academic. He's making headlines. His name is Eswar Prasad. He's a professor of international trade policy at Cornell University. And he says that Bitcoin may not last that much longer. But as it turns out, that's not because he's against cryptocurrency. So let's dig a little bit deeper here from CNBC.com. Uh, he points out that, quote, Bitcoin's use of blockchain technology is not very efficient. 
He's apparently the author of The Future of Money, How the Digital Revolution is Transforming Currencies and Finance. So it sounds like he might have done a little bit of research here. The cryptocurrency, quote, uses a validation mechanism for transactions that is environmentally destructive and doesn't scale up very well. Now, I'm not so concerned about the energy use of Bitcoin because the fact is it's way overblown by the people who are concerned about it. Huge margin. And secondly, it's a fraction of what the banking system's energy usage is. So if indeed Bitcoin is going to compete with and eventually supplant or replace the banking system, you'll actually end up with lower energy usage plus mm-hmm. bitcoin uh, mining drives innovation because there's so much demand for mining hardware people want that mining hardware to become more efficient mm-hmm. and they you know that means that the people who are making it they got to get cracking and they got to make better uh, better products well, and the the whole nature of the energy use for bitcoin is completely different so i mean if you cannot get basically r- really excess energy or very very cheap energy then you can't mine Bitcoin Correct. efficiently. Or affordably. So you have, right. So you have to go somewhere else where there's extra electricity, where, which is to say where they're not charging as much for it. There's a surplus. In right. Correct. Where there's a surplus of electricity being generated, and there you can mine better. And, and it's amazing because, like, if you tried to take that electricity from, you know, this hydroelectric uh, electric dam, you know, across three states, like, that's – it's – if it's even possible, it's going to be very expensive to do you so. Pay for it, yeah. But through ch- through changing where you're mining, you can take that energy where it is, and that value can be traded throughout the world at very little cost. But his point about not scaling very well, he's absolutely right about that. Yeah. Bitcoin itself, the original BTC Bitcoin, the number one crypto out there, it is not built to scale. Yeah, the, the only real way of scaling it is to put uh, a second layer on it, like with the, the Lightning Network. But then you lose your decentralization, because Lightning is a centralized solution. And that takes away from the value of Bitcoin as a decentralized project. It sounded, so, it sounded to me like the author was maybe hinting at the difference between proof of work and proof of stake. Well, he does point out that other cryptocurrencies, newer ones, use blockchain tech more efficiently than Bitcoin does. For instance, a lot of uh, newer blockchains, they have settlements much faster than, you know, one minute, if not several seconds, whereas Bitcoin is 10 minutes on average before a block gets mined and the transactions get finalized. There's more coming up here in moments. We'll share more from the critique of Bitcoin, and it might be deserved. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want here. The number is 603-283-6160. In the studio, it's Ian. Nicholas Mountaineer. And the captain. And don't forget, you can join us online over at freetalklive.com. Lots of features await you, including a social media website that you can access, and you can create posts on for your own account that... Twitter and Facebook have no control over when you're over at social.freetalklive.com. You get out from under the thumb of the big tech corporations and you come onto a server that we run. So we get to decide what goes on there. It's a Mastodon server, which anybody that that knows, you know, Linux servers can put one of these things online. That's why there are thousands of Mastodon servers all around the planet. We got one, too. And our policy is to pretty much allow people to post whatever they want. 
uh, with the exception of spam, basically. So head over to social.freetalklive.com. You can create your own profile there, and you can reach out to the rest of the Mastodon network. So if you know people on other Mastodon servers, you want to follow them from our server, you can do that. Uh, head over to social.freetalklive.com. So we're getting into some critiques here of Bitcoin. The academic in this case is Eswar, Eswar Prasad, a professor of international trade policy at Cornell. He's wrote, uh, written a book, The Future of Money, How the Digital Revolution is Transforming Currencies and Finance. And he does have a, a critique that is valid of, of Bitcoin BTC, and that is it doesn't scale very well. Now, that's not the fault of Satoshi Nakamoto. That's the fault of the current Bitcoin programmers right. who refuse to allow Bitcoin to scale. Right. So, I mean, to take you back a little ways, the history of this, as I understand it, was that initially Bitcoin did not have a block size limitation and they put one into place early on due to people spamming transactions or something into the blockchain. I don't know all the details about that. but Now, what I wonder is, are there going to be other layer two solutions like uh, like the Lightning Network that then compete with Lightning? And do, do eventually these transactions go so far toward these uh, layer two solutions that the miners go, hey, we're not getting we're not getting all of our, our fees anymore and then actually change the code so that it's functional again. Hmm. Oh, I yeah, see. Where you're I don't with know. That. That's an interesting question. I mean, I, I not knowing a whole lot about Lightning besides being confused generally by how one would set up all the Lightning stuff that one yeah. needs to do. It seems like a real confusing mess, and it seems to me that any of these layer two so-called solutions, which for listeners that don't know, these are these are programming that lies on top of the first layer, which is native bitcoin sending transactions at whatever the yeah, cost might yeah, be it's it's basically and i mean correct me if i'm wrong here but it's basically hey i've got some bitcoin instead of you having to pay for this transaction uh tell me about it and i will just swap it in these accounts and eventually i'll uh i'll put it on the blockchain right which requires you to trust a centralized authority and that is counter to the whole mission of bitcoin so to me lightning and whatever else they cook up is not what yeah. I'm interested in. I'm interested in decentralized solutions for money. And if you can't get it with Bitcoin, you can go somewhere else. And that's ultimately what this guy is saying, is that there are other options out there. As he says, there are newer cryptos that use the technology more efficiently than Bitcoin. And, and it should, because it's been a decade, you know, 13 years, yep. I think coming up in January since Bitcoin first came out. So you better believe there's better tech out there. It's just it doesn't have the name recognition. It doesn't have the the staying power. It ha, you know yet. it hasn't been around yet. Yeah, uh, he believes blockchain will be fundamentally transformative in the way that finance is done, and arguably already has been, uh, and in the way we conduct our day to day transactions, like buying a house or buying a car. He said, given that Bitcoin is not serving well as a medium of exchange, I don't think it's going to have any fundamental value other than whatever investors' faith leads it to have. Well. So one of the things for me, I think, on this is he's not addressing basically Peter Schiff's argument is like, well, since this is an electronic thing, since this is all just programming and we know that software can be copied, mm -hmm. well, what's to keep people from just copying uh, the copying Bitcoin? They did. And yes, they indeed they did. It's and, been copied thousands of times. Right. And, and that's that's basically a lot of. Uh, a lot of the value that people put into Bitcoin per se, beyond it being you know the the Kleenex of facial tissues, mm -hmm. is that it is the first the the first 
decentralized uh, cryptographic blockchain technology. So all of these other decentralized cryptographic blockchain technologies, well, those are just, you know, knockoffs of the Mona Lisa in in a lot of people's opinions. Well, and that's for now, for where we are now, that's the way it is being seen. Mm -hmm. And that's because people aren't yet using cryptocurrency as currency. They're not yet using it. I mean, widely, yeah. it's it's being used as a savings tool. And the people who are pimping Bitcoin primarily are pimping it in that way. They're saying, oh, this is a great way to save your money. This is a great way to protect you from the ravages of inflation. And it seems like that's a true statement. However, that's not what the vision for Bitcoin was. When you go and you look at the white paper by Satoshi Nakamoto, who again is anonymous. We don't know who he or she happens to be or they uh, might have been a group of people. But it's it's titled Peer-to-Peer Electronic Cash. Yeah. So Satoshi's intention was that this was going to be used as a way to transact, as a way to send value from one person to another with very, very low fees. But because that block size was put into place and never removed by the programmers, never inflate, never increased, there's a very hard limit to the number of transactions per second that Bitcoin can do. And I think it's like seven. Yeah, it's not, so it's not very much. It's not... At the level of a Visa or a MasterCard or a PayPal, you know, these payment systems that people are so familiar with out there, those things can handle, I don't know, thousands and thousands of yeah, transactions and, per second. And so. it's not because the hardware can't handle that many transactions. Right. It's because they've programmed this. Uh, it's an arbitrary limit. This uh, it, transaction ceiling, if you will. It, yeah. it, to use it. an automotive term, it's a governor. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And so that's why Bitcoin Cash was formed in 2000 or 2017 when there was an, an impasse that had been reached where the main programmers are saying, well, we're not going to change it. And some other people say, well, we think you should ta- change it. But if you're not going to change it, we'll just do what they call a hard fork. And we're going to split this chain, this blockchain into two competing chains. And that's where Bitcoin Cash came from. And they did increase uh, the block size. And then Bitcoin SV increased it even more. And there's all kinds of options. Which for just like a guy who is interested in it, but not a developer, you know, having OG Bitcoin, right? The original Bitcoin. And then having that before the first fork into Bitcoin mm-hmm. Cash and the one into Bitcoin SV, that gives you sort of a leg up on these things because you automatically get some when they fork. Yeah, you have the same amount of both of the, the new things. But, you know, this is all to go back to the point. People still aren't used to using cryptocurrency as currency. So there's not a high demand for for there to be another thing. So, for instance, uh, here in Keene, New Hampshire, we're an exception to that rule, where we actually live in a place where you can go to multiple restaurants, you can go get your car fixed. We come from the future. The there's, future. There's the future. a doctor in town. There's a dentist in town. There's you know a, a barber. There's automotive a hair place. salon. Automotive. So, like, there's a bunch of different places you can go and actually spend cryptocurrency. That doesn't exist in most of the places in the world. And most of the people who have Bitcoin... Again, they've been trained that, oh, you just save with this. Money, number go up. I'll just huddle it, as they say, and Mm -hmm. number go up. And then someday I'll sell it for dollars. And that's kind of what their whole plan is. And it's, again, contrary to what the vision for, for Bitcoin was. But if and when people actually start to use cryptocurrencies as currency, then there will be a demand because what'll happen is Bitcoin, they'll start trying to use Bitcoin and then they'll notice that it's 25 cents for a transaction fee and then it's a dollar for a transaction because as it gets more popular, that that ceiling gets hit real fast yeah. and the fees to transact start going up. And that's when people start saying, hey, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. 
can I find something that might work? And then they find out about Bitcoin Cash or Dash, which is another yeah. good one that you can you can spend very, very low fees. Uh, and there's some other ones out there. But those right now, those particular currencies, if you look at like the coin market cap or coingecko.com and you look, I think Bitcoin Cash has dropped out of the top 20 the yeah. last time I looked. Dash was in like 70 or 80 or something as far as the numbers, the top mm-hmm. 100. Dash used to be a number five cryptocurrency. Yep. A few years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's just that the market isn't demanding it for those reasons. Maybe it will. Maybe it'll get to that that point someday. And then something can rise up and take over Bitcoin's number one slot. There's more coming up here. 603-283-6160. And you're right, Captain. It is still really early in this whole situation with cryptocurrency. You're welcome to share your thoughts. This is Free Talk Live. If you dial in now, we can get you on. But if you don't get in tonight, that's okay. The captain will be here tomorrow night. I will. For the live Sunday show, because we do this live seven nights a week. Plenty of time for you to join us and bring up... A reverend on Sunday? That you want, indeed. Weird. Uh, 603-283-6160. Online, you can join us over at freetalklive.com. Lots of features are there, including our podcasts. If you want to subscribe to the RSS feed and be automatically sent all of the new episodes of Free Talk Live as they are released, then you can just go to feeds.freetalklive.com to find those links. You copy the one that's right for you and put it into your favorite podcast client, and then boom, you don't even have to visit our website anymore, which is bad for our website hits, but good for you because it takes out one step uh, to getting the archives. You get to be more lazy. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. It's right there when you wake up in the morning, right? So, uh, once again, go to feeds.freetalklive.com. We're sharing with you some critiques, and mostly valid critiques, from uh, Eswar Prasad. He's a professor of international trade policy at Cornell University regarding Bitcoin. And as he points out here, Bitcoin just doesn't scale very well. Now, as we've explained, without getting too technical, there's a thing called the block size, and the Bitcoin programmers refuse to increase that block size. That's all they would have to do is just take it from one megabyte to two megabytes, and they they would double the capacity right. every roughly ten minutes for the blocks. And the blocks are the uh, it's basically the data blockchain is this technology that is this open source ledger that uh, is has there's copies of it distributed all around the planet, and so it's essentially you can't cook the books with uh, with the blockchain. And so every roughly every 10 minutes, but sometimes more often, sometimes less often, the uh, the blocks are mined into the blockchain and the blocks contain the data of all the transactions that happened prior to, to the block being mined. So uh, they could have doubled that block size or tripled it or quadrupled it or whatever, you know, 10x it if they'd wanted to, but they refused to do so. Now, there's conspiracy theories as to why that is the case, but it is the case. And that's where we find ourselves today. So I'm going to go on with just a couple more of his thoughts. He says cryptocurrency, Bitcoin specifically, uses a validation mechanism for transactions. Uh, he already said that. That's environmentally destructive. We addressed that. There's way more um, electricity being used by the banking system than, mm-hmm. uh, than Bitcoin. He says that uh, given that Bitcoin is not serving well as a medium of exchange, I don't think it's going to have any fundamental value other than what investors' faith leads it to have. And for now, that's a lot. You know, $46,000 per Bitcoin. I don't see that's going to, you know, go down very much more, but we don't know what the future holds. It seems like Bitcoin is still, as you said, Captain, in its early days. 
and it's still the number one crypto. It's still got the the name recognition out there. If you hit the streets, I do wonder how many people would be able to identify what Ethereum is. You know, yeah, if you did a man on the few. street interview, how many people know what Ethereum is? And, and that's the number two cryptocurrency. Yeah. And if you hit number three, and number four, I can't even tell you what number three is. I think it's Binance coin mm-hmm. right now. It is interesting to note as a side topic that Ethereum is also experiencing its own sort of fees. Oh, my God. It's debacle. worse than Bitcoin. And like Ethereum's fees are horrifying. Like, oh, yeah. like as a guy who used to do like QA stuff and a couple of different software hardware companies. Like I get not wanting to sort of raise the the cap on the blocks, right? Sort of you know double it or triple it or whatever, or open it wide, you know, wide open because that could be a destructive thing. But there's been enough time now and enough other cryptocurrencies to show that if you do raise the size of of the blocks, that it has no ill effect on your cryptocurrency. No, it lowers the fees. Yeah, so it's actually good. Yeah. But they won't do it. I mean, I I guess I could see from their point of view why they would want to be like, uh, you don't want to be that one miner that like, hey, uh, I happened to mine a block immediately after this other person, so there weren't any transactions, so I got nothing for this. No, you would still get the block reward, which at this time is Is 6.25 Bitcoin. Oh, wow. Um, But still, even at this point, like uh, most of the money they're making is from the mining fees, isn't it? I am not sure about that. That's a, that's a good question because mm. what you're referring to is that when the when the miner gets finds the block, they get whatever the fees are, the transaction fees were for all the transactions in that block, and they get the block reward, which is six Bitcoin right now. So you're talking about you know quite a bit of money, uh, and that that reward does go it gets cut in half ref- roughly every six or uh, three years. So eventually, it's going to be three point one two five or whatever and then it's going to be half of that and then on the you know on a hundred years down the line there'll still be some amount and the idea is that the value of bitcoin will go up constantly and so the even though it's going to be three bitcoin in another couple of years it'll still be a significant amount right so it's not the end of the world if you find a you know nearly empty block uh but going on he says more generally cryptocurrencies have quote lit a fire under central banks to start thinking about issuing digital versions of their own currencies and that is a very bad thing well it's bad for the banks it's bad for the banks it's also bad for the individuals because if a, you bank, yeah, I guess. a government-run currency or a government-run digital currency which is what they're talking about here that's what a central bank digital currency is that's the digital dollar yeah. and i don't mean digital in that your credit cards are digital dollars yeah, i was gonna say like how different from what we're using now would that be Good I question. mean, credit cards, debit cards, well, they're all electronic anyway. What's what's insane about what the, the author is writing about is that cryptocurrency, that is something like Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash, is far different than a bank-issued digital currency. Oh, yeah. They're trying to compete with cryptocurrency by making a digital version of government currency. Right. And that's not the same thing. It's not apples to apples. It's going to fail. Well, to answer your question, though, uh, Piklis, the question is, what's the difference between the crypto or the uh, digital dollars we have in the form of say debit cards or dollars in bank accounts versus what they're talking about doing with a central bank digital currency that's Mm -hmm. the question yeah there's a couple of important points on this one it essentially means everyone would have an account with the federal reserve so every taxpayer for instance would have an account with the government instead of with a local bank Mm. in theory 
the local banks could still try to compete in some way, but ultimately the government gang could move to issuing welfare checks, to issuing taxpayer refunds and things like that. Any sort of any sort of government disbursement, which right now goes into a bank account or is sent on a like a, a debit card, mm. would then just go straight into your account with the Federal Reserve. And then of course that gives the government total control. Total ability to, you know, pan, uh, Panopticon see every transaction. That you, I mean, they can get that by subpoenaing Visa or MasterCard or your local bank, but there's that extra step involved. Yep. Now you'd be talking about they have that. That is their well, account. Not that it ever happens, but hypothetically, your commercial bank could, like, I mean, they definitely could slow down the process. And hypothetically, they could tell the government no, not that they ever do. Yes, but, that's I mean, correct. It definitely seems so you're talking like about cutting the, out all of that and having a direct account with the Federal Reserve. Well, if I was running a commercial bank, I would definitely be looking into crypto because it yeah. looks like the commercial banks are getting cut out completely from where they're heading, uh, from where society is headed yep. in the minds of these world controllers. Well, they haven't um, made it official in the United States yet, but they are investigating it. They're coming out with papers and they're doing research and other countries around the world are doing this. China, I believe Nigeria has actually rolled one out at this point from from what I understand. So imagine total government control over people's accounts and you know they want to freeze your account they don't have to go hmm. in and knock on anybody's door so they can only be the uh, lender of first resort but they can only do that with the government currency they can't Correct. do that they can't hold my bitcoin for example right. in their federal reserve account unless i convert it to usd and place it in that account so uh, as long as they keep doing what they're doing which is devaluing their mm-hmm. own government currency right the usd has lost and lost and lost keeps losing value day after day after day hyperinflation we might see in our lifetime uh, i don't see a mathematical way out of it so as long as they keep doing that all this it's just gyration they're just gyrated. They're just trying to do something that maybe kind of might compete. That sounds to people like it might be kind of the same thing and have the value of like a Bitcoin or a Bitcoin cash or something like Except that. Except it'll have the value of a dollar, which means it'll right. be worth which less and be... less and less over time. Well, you had it at the first worth less. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's the idea here. And it's not. It's not good. Mm. And that's likely where they're going to go because why wouldn't they? They want more control. Of course. And this gives them total control over at least the dollar in this particular case. Yeah. And, of course, allows them to you know easily inflate the, uh, the money supply. But they move at the pace of a sloth. They do. I mean – It's going to be know, years. They do there's that. still breaks in government schooling – which were put into place because at the time it was created, it was because everybody was a farmer and they needed to let kids out to go help with the harvest, right? They can't even do away with that. So, oh, And the other thing is this will also help them get rid of cash as well. Mm-hmm. That's just, the motivation. Always wanted to yes. do. Right. That's yeah. the motivation that's currently fueling all of this mm-hmm. is they want to get rid of cash. Right. Because they want total control yeah. and the ability to observe everything you do financially, which is why they hate things like Monero, the, one of the privacy coins uh, that is competing with uh, with Bitcoin. Again, another great cryptocurrency that's dropped out of the top 20. Yeah. I think it's what, like 30 or something right that yeah. right now? Anyway, out of time tonight. You can join us online in the meantime over at freetalklive.com. And don't forget, we're here live every single night. So join us for tomorrow night's show, 7 to 10 o'clock at night, Eastern Time. See you then online in the meantime, freetalklive.com.